This is Dave McAllister and you're listening to Tales from the East End. Agovello, forza Roma! Sempre magica! Welcome to Tales from the East End, it's episode number 48 and you're here with me Gary P and Johnny Blues and of course the prof is alongside me, hello, Carl Riley. So um, we've a lot to talk about as usual and uh, we've got the Dundalk game, we've got Bowls on Friday, the big one and we have an interview with a brave fan Brian Quigley to look ahead of Monday's trip to the seaside so a troubled Bray fan, we'll be chatting away to him and uh, yeah so loads, jam packed schedule this week. Right off the back here, I have something to do here. Go on, Prof. I've actually not done this personally myself. You and I have both made our picks throughout the last year and a bit, but I've got my own one. Go on. Gar, I'm adding the goalkeeping situation <laughs> to the list of hatred. <laughs> goalkeeping situation on the list of hatred. Yeah. Well deserved as well because it's it's widespread. It's in the media. Everybody's talking about it. People in work are coming up to me going, Jesus, what's started with your keepers? I think I think what hit home was Mick McCarthy on the show on Monday Madness. He said that in all his time, 56 years following Rovers, he's never seen a situation this bad. Think about that. That If that doesn't hit home for the situation that we're currently in, nothing will. 50 odd years following Rovers and he said it's never been this bad regarding his goalkeepers. And that's a long time following the hoops. That's Oscar Janssen. In goal, that's that's a few others, you know. I mean, that's that's a serious statement. So, it's it's deservedly on the list of hatred. Arguably short memory, though. I mean, Oscar Yanton, there was a few clangers early on, twenty twelve. Ended up being solid in the end, to and be honest. And then we brought in Peter Say, who played one game, yeah, and Peter was culpable for a couple of goals. Sligo was the debut, wasn't it? Yeah, he feigned injury. The eventual champions, away to champions. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, we'll we'll move on to our, some people have been paying very close attention to our quiz recordings at the Roadstone. Uh, homes under the hammer music in the background of a quiz. <laughs> that was Neil from the Ultras. Yeah. Thought, he he texted me one morning and he just said, "I love the music in the background." I started cracking up laughing. I think Dion Dublin was on that episode, wasn't he? Yeah, I think we turned the TV down the, the second. Yeah, time the second time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we I approached a guy in the bar who was cleaning glasses and doing all sorts of stuff doing bar stuff and I said do you mind turning that thing he goes I don't work here (laughs) what are you doing behind the bar cleaning glasses yeah so we Davey Mack on last week absolute gent great guest and loved his Oriel Park story yeah we got a lot of comments about that that was a brilliant story genius I love the mind games love the mind games because there's not exactly much you can do if if there's a team standing in your place you can't just move them out of the way without a bit of a row and I love the backstory of it it started from Celtic yeah which it's only a coincidence that he was even playing in because he was one of the few first team players who would have been playing that day anyway so and if he didn't catch it he promised us 
he's going to bring the lads down if we get a bit of silverware and have a sesh in Johnny Blue's. So uh, yeah. that'll be the VIP bash. That'll be very prestigious. That wasn't even our monthly madness, Sean. That was just an L midweeker. Yeah, just an L random midweeker. We'll try yeah. and get some more lads on. So yeah. The players are really uh, enthusiastic about coming on. Our 50th show is coming up, so we're trying to do something special for that. Yeah, 50th show. For the big 5-0 profits. Yeah. It's hard to believe, isn't it? I know, come a long way. And that show with Davey Mack was promoted to uh, more people than usual, Gar. With one tweet, 66,000 people. Saw that. that Saw was, that show. What was the what was the uh, the Twitter handle? It was Alan Kensler because he was running the Ireland account that week. 66,000. Yeah. So we had a hoop run the Ireland account on Twitter. And, um, yeah, so we had... Uh, Questions for Carl last week. Did you want to see Carl's face when I <laughs> popped this? This was brilliant. I was, was visibly mortified. squirming. Wasn't I? Squirming is the word of the week. Yeah. I'm not sure I like having the mic turned back at me. I, <laughs> yeah, I, now, I was loving it. <laughs> I now sympathise with people when I ask them their, their favourite players and stuff. I'm actually impressed that they think of it so fast. But I actually, like in terms of stats, as you can imagine, I've got a fair amount of information running through my brain at a time. Got to do with Rawers facts and figures. But if you ask me for a favourite anything, my mind becomes a blank room. <laughs> and you're like, Carl, Carl, what, what's your favourite this? I'm like, I've got nothing. I'm back to stats. <laughs> absolutely nothing here. I did think of an idea actually to try and, because one of those questions was, what's my favourite stat? So I was actually, during the week I was trying to think. The price one is deadly though. I love that. Mm. I was trying to think I might do a top 10 of all time. So then I started working Ooh. on that. And then I couldn't even narrow it down to 25. And oh it was just, just a disaster. So I gave up on it. But that's your standards though. Don't you need to do? Dumb it down to the average listener. Take off, t- take out the prof brain for a minute. And just put in the average listener brain. And give us a good top 10 stats. Yeah, something to work on. Next few weeks I suppose. Just a question for you Gar. Who put the Tales from the East End sticker on the lamppost in Crumlin? Ah, it's Tomo. Has to be. Yeah. Tomo has been... been Plaster and crumbling. Well, mostly the pubs, mostly the stone boat, mostly KCR house. Yeah. The little brother's been knocking around. I just knock, I give them out everywhere. I'm trying to get some proper ones on. I just did these and work. It's just got the information about, uh, it's just got information about the podcast. And fair play to your dad for spotting that. Yeah, it's quite, you, well, it's fairness, just down the road. Yeah, yeah the reason, the, the, the way I made them is they're bullet pointed and it will grab your attention because you look at it and you go like, oh I can't read that so you'll just m- move in and read it so your your attention will be will be caught that's the way I, I, I went for that one but uh, yeah we had a uh, congratulations to Ronaldo scoring the second best goal of all time after Sully in Belgrade still watch that that goal back and just in awe and jealousy of anyone who was there man what, alive what yeah, man alive what a goal seriously imagine being in Belgrade that night and apparently the players watched it back with the fans in the in the in the hotel after. So it's just yeah. stunning, stunning goal. As for and Ronaldo's overhead, as Conor O'Sullivan said, that one hundred percent would have been disallowed for a high foot in the League of Ireland. Yeah, it, and do you know what? It was an it was a good overhead, but it was nothing absolutely amazing. Fair enough, high stakes game, and he rose to the occasion. But there's it's been better overheads. Well, it was the height of the ball. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, but I mean, didn't, Ron, didn't Rooney score something similar? It was in the height of the ball. The Man City derby, and he placed it right in the garden. Manchester derby, yeah, true. Well, it was. It was a great I goal. I mean, like I remember the Premier League had a best goal of their twenty years, and Rooney won. 
the Man City, which was like Manchester a, Derby. It was like a shinner. Shitter. It was a shinner though. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good it was fantastic overhead. Ronaldo though. placed this perfectly from a height that I don't think we've ever seen anyone hit an overhead before. Yeah, it was. It was it was a stunning goal in fairness. We'll move on to Greg Bulger on the 42.ie. He said, there's a good group of lads here. Uh, it sort of reminds me of when I first went to Cork in the sense that we haven't won anything yet, but the hunger is there to do that. Barrow Ronan Finn and myself, I don't think many of the lads here have won anything before. The lads here are hungry and eager to learn every day. I'm not going to say we're going to win the league, but the appetite is definitely here to be successful. Let's see where that takes us. And that's something that rubs off on us when we're up at the Roadstone interviewing the lads as well. It's a good group of lads. There's a hunger there as well. And I think no better men to lead them than Bulger and Finn. Two good, experienced lads. Well, Greg was in a position at Cork last year that Davy Mack is kind of in this year. You know, he's got a really good player ahead of him, but they've got similar attitudes about it. I'd hate to see Davy Mack not. I'd hate to see him leave. That's being honest, because I think he's a good squad player. I think I think he might start on on Friday, but there's only so m- many weeks you can sit on the bench without being w- without getting a sniff. You know, so. Your head could be torn if you're not, let's say, I don't know, eight or nine weeks in a row and you haven't played a game. You want to play football, do you know what I mean? Mm. But um, no, I, hopefully, hopefully, we, we this squad stays together and we get a bit of longevity over. And uh, we lost, so we'll talk about Dundalk. And we lost 2 1 on Friday. And Brad's had the same starting 11. And uh, the crowd the crowd was okay. See, that's the thing about these protests and boycotts. They're always half arsed because you've got 100 people who boycott. You've got hundred mm-hmm. people who protest. You've got three hundred who go to game, and it, there's no there's no unity when it comes to these things. It's either all or nothing. Yeah, and in fairness, fair play to the ultras who who did protest. But if if we're gonna do something, what's the point in boycotting? What's the point in hundred people boycotting and then three hundred people going to the game and hundred people doing a protest and whatever? It, it just doesn't make sense. We need to all be in the same boat and have a have a, have a massive one. And hopefully that the message hit home anyway because I saw it being retweeted quite a lot. The message at Oriel and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, presumably some people stayed away because of the facilities and it was on TV. Absolute shithole. It was on TV as well, so saved the trip, I suppose. But Still a good crowd. Still, still a yeah. bigger crowd than anyone else would bring to Oriel. Put it that way. And that was a bad day for all of us. So, uh, they were on the Gary Twig bus, Prof. I was. I was beside Pat Camerton on the way up and down. Ah, good old Pat. Give me an earful, he was. Oh, yeah. Craft beer wanker. <laughs> he got his own <laughs> song in the bus, so he was, he was chuffed with that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But the best part was uh, there was a lot of young lads in the bus and they were singing uh, Tommy Keddy's gaff to the tune of Debbie Mack's tune. Oh yeah, yeah. looking for a free one afterwards. <laughs> Count and, me in, uh, Tommy. Count me in. Made me laugh was uh, Paddy, Paddy's kids when uh, when they found out they were going to Oriel Park. They were like, oh, that's the game where your man burst out with a portaloo to celebrate the goal. Oh, Barney. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they know that ground now. That's just going to stick in their mind forever. Yeah. And still my favourite part of that story is that Barney thought that Dundalk had scored and he came out in a rage yeah. <laughs> saying, oh, trousers sake. down. Yeah. And then it turned into a celebration. Yeah. That's the best part. But so uh, the, just so if you didn't catch it, the Ultras display, it said €6 million, euro, still no toilets, shelter or facilities. Oriel is a dump. Mm-hmm. And uh, fair play to them on that because it's, it's 100% true. Absolute shithole. And um, as uh, as Ross Common Hoops tweeted, Oriel Park, a sheep pen in Ross Common Mart is more attractive than the away end. Yeah, sheep have shelter and are treated better. Yeah, no, that's it. Like I said, cattle is a treated like cattle is an overstatement. And um, and every year that lady sign on the port loop. Do you know what they? I reckon they they know they know there's trouble. I mean, 
Siobhan Keane actually got in touch with Dundalk. We mentioned that last week, yeah. And said, can the women go to the bathroom, please? Can they use your facilities? They had to, that conversation happened. So a representative from Rovers had to get in touch with Dundalk and actually say, can the women use your proper facilities instead of using a pissy portaloo in the middle of a hazardous away end? Can we do that, please, without hassle? Without having to swap a ticket, without having to lie about being pregnant, without having to sneak your way in. That happened. 2018, everybody. Congratulations, Dundalk. I'm numb to most things in this league at this edge, but I have to say, every year, that sign on the portal that says ladies, it really gets to me, pisses me off. Unbelievable. Seriously, like, t- t- think about it. Put some money into the away end. I mean, that is a civil case waiting to happen. Someone will end up suing them and make thousands out of them because they're going to get injured. I mean, if you fall on one of those jagged pieces of metal that's protruding out of the ground, you can lose your life. I know it's exaggeration, but you could. could be a crazy accident where you could just fall on that and impale yourself. You know, it's, it is. It's nuts. But <laughs> Donald Trump lines when was back. He's actually from yeah. Crumlin. I actually <laughs> used to play football with him years ago down on Dura Road. Um... Yes, Donald Trump. <laughs> there was no chance for him though. I was disappointed with that. Uh, I think there will, yeah. there will be one now. There was chance to our uh, the steward. It was uh, does your sister know you're here? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> and uh, I was chatting to um, the Pines Mafia. Pines Mafia. And uh, Dangerous Dave. Still what is Dave? Dave would be the enforcer. I'd still say. unhappy, Gary. Build your, your comments. Ah, we love Dave. Build. Dave, I'll I'll categorically I'll hundred percent apologise on that. You. Yeah, go, I apologise. Dave, good lad, and Dave's the enforcer of the Pines Mafia, so I don't want to get on the wrong side of him. We the, the Godfather, Mick Cairns, we the Capo, Mick McCarthy, and Dave, the enforcer. Done. So I was chatting to two or three of them, and uh, this guard started, I just noticed in the corner of my eye, this guard started walking towards us with this big dog. I just got closer and closer, and I was like... The big black Alsatian, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I was like... Intimidating, aren't they? I was like... Uh, Beautiful dog. What's, what's this going to be about? <laughs> and sure enough, he comes up with a big smile on his face, and he's like, How are you, lads? I was just wondering, do any of you know Dick from Walkingstown? He's, he's talking about Big Dick. Big Dick. And he's like, Oh, he's a great lad. He used to always chat to him with the games. No way. He started talking with Dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what happened. Yeah. Everybody knows Dick. Yeah. Oh, you, there was a period of time, right? Where, where did you... Did we see him... In somewhere in England or was that you? Yeah, I saw him in uh, was it Liverpool or something? <laughs> At a wrestling show in Liverpool. I think yeah. we went to see Ring of Honor in Liverpool years ago as well. But I saw I'd see him at Tin Lizzy gigs, Metallica gigs, yeah. uh, everywhere, everywhere you'd see him. I went to a couple of years spell where I just saw him like every week. It was yeah, just crazy. Quite a socialite, yeah. old big dick. And uh, we're top of the game now, and there was no goals in the first half, but there was plenty of chances, prof. Yeah. Finn crossing in for Sean Kavanagh and he just dragged it wide. That to, was a glare into the chance. left of Saba. Absolutely glare. Well, he should have buried yeah. that. But, Absolutely glaring. But the one after that, though, Finn rounded the keeper, and we mentioned Saba that he'd be a weakness. I know we're we're ones to talk with our own situation, but Saba was comical. If you watch that back, Saba is an absolute madman. He came charging out of his goal. He got nowhere near the ball, and Finn. He just, I think he went too far wide. I blame the pitch. I blame the pitch on that because if you look at the skid on the ball, it's unnatural. And like Finn, we're we're naturally taught to, because we play on grass pitches all the time, you get used to the way the ball rolls and the way the ball bounces on a natural pitch. And 
Finn didn't expect the ball to skid like that. So I think on a natural pitch, that's a goal. But because the skid is so unnatural and the bounce and the hop of the ball on a 4G pitch, it's just he didn't anticipate it. So Are you going to mention that as a defence of the, the second goal, though, as well? <laughs> no, just, just for fair, not. fair and balance. Definitely game. not. No matter how much yeah. that ball skidded, that ball yeah. should never went into the back of the net for the second goal. And then there was this loud goal from Sean Cavanagh, which if you saw the still online, it's 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 a uh, infuriating to be he, honest. He's clearly he's, he's onside. At least three yards onside, infuriating stuff. And even the guy that's just to the right of Fallen, who's ahead of him, is keeping Cavanagh onside. Not even Fallen. Fallen's keeping him onside, but the guy ahead of him is keeping him onside. Yeah. And to call that was just heartbreaking. And it's a uh, shout out to Soccer Republic. They didn't even show the goal. I knew they wouldn't. How can they not show a disallowed goal? How can they not show that? It was, it, first of all, it should have stood. And it's just, it's something that happens in a game. It's an important part of a game. How can you not show that? I'm telling you now, whoever edits that hates Rovers. I'm telling you, whoever picks the tweets mm. hates Rovers. Someone up there has a serious agenda against Rovers. There I'm is a Balls fan in there. I yeah. Not a fact, but... There is, yeah. I thought, uh, I thought Boyle struggled with Duffy, Prof. Duffy is the best bringer in the league. In my opinion. Yeah, he, he he got the better of, of Boyle a good few times. He got in behind them. And um, I think that's when, when Holman hit the crossbar. Yeah, that's uh, Benson Benson slotted the ball in for that one. And Duffy squared it. And then uh, Hoban, or Holman. Uh, I, I refuse to say Hoban, by the way. <laughs> that's just... Was leaning back and hit the bar. I think mm. there was a bit of a fingertip on it from, from Horgan, mm. but either way, he did. He gave him a hard time. But Boyle, listen, he never stopped. That's the thing with Boyle. He he doesn't he doesn't ever give up so it's it's a lesson learned I think a lesson learned from that day. Pat Hoover. Pat Hoover. Did Conan Byrne say that Robert fans are getting an Eden Boyle's back? Uh, I don't. Oh, Conan Byrne said that yeah, and Conan Byrne also said that we can talk about this in a while. The the me- melee or the fracas. That's my that's that's the word of now I'm going to use from now on. Fracas. I prefer melee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fracas in uh, Waterford. He said that was good for the game to see a bit of fight, but of course. Rovers, we're, we're scum if we get involved and do that. Yeah, a few people mentioned that already. But fair to say, that's not true at all, that we're getting on Ethan's back. No, no, no one has, no. not once. I, I, that's, it was completely... Unless Conan means that Ethan is scoring goals off of Pat's players' backs. Mm. <laughs> but no, um, I thought Joel Coustran was... He looked good going forward, but what I will say about Joel Coustran is that he keeps cutting in because he's on the right-hand side. Now, I'm all for wingers switching, right, right-footed wingers playing on the left, left-footed wingers playing on the right. I'm all for that, but I think Joel would be fantastic on the left because he's got lightning pace. You could say, a la Billy Dennehy under O'Neill, hug the touchline and get at the defender instead of cutting in all the time. I know Bradley likes us to cut in and work it in from there through Bork and, and maybe work the ball in through Carr, but I'd love to see him hug the touchline, use his pace and whip balls in for Carr because we've seen Carr's lethal in the box, Sligo, and he can and he scored against Dundalk as well from the inside the six-yard box. So I, I'd love to see Joel hug that line because he was caught out a couple of times defensively as well. But I'd love to see him hug the left and get forward like that. I think it'd be a little bit different. You know, It's something that we haven't really been doing. Our, our wingers hugging the touchline. And, and getting stuck in like that. I'm hoping Joel can contribute and assist or goal or something soon because he has shown flashes, flashes in the first 10 games. He hasn't played all of them, but yeah, I think I hope he does sort of contribute something. That'd be like the fans would hate him if he does. Like if he scores, a, if he puts in a cross that's that makes a goal against Spells, for example, the wonders for his confidence. 
I'm just waiting for the fans to be improved big time then, you know? Yeah, definitely. He just needs, I think he needs a run of games as well. He needs a mm. run of games where he starts and does something uh, mm. positive. Did we mention Duffy's bullet header off the post? Bullet header, yeah. It was yeah. Uh, off the butt of the post. Yeah. Some great work by Gannon and Fairness. Yeah, no one was stopping that. No. Great work by Gannon now wide and a bullet header. Great run. Uh, very Davy Mack esque header. And uh, we got away with that one in fairness. But mm. I mean, people will turn around and say, oh, don't talk at the bar twice. Look at the chances we had. Off the top of your head right now, Shazi should have scored. Uh, Dan Carr uh, should have scored a second. No, no, Borky. Borky hit the bar. You had Pico who fluffed the chance. He should have buried it. Um, the Kavanaugh goal, that's four off the top of your head. That should have, we should have scored. Well, the first half alone, we could have been 3 2 up. We carved them open. Finn's chance. Uh, Kavanaugh at the start, that's at least five chances we should have we should have had these put to bed so the moral victory is, is wearing thin on me at this stage the oh we should have done this we're playing well we're doing that we need to start putting putting the ball in the net but the Benson goal as well we talked about Bulger in the middle of the park I had a, a bit of a mini debate with Jason Maloney about this and he reckons well he, he reckons it was the case he had been cautioned Bulger had been cautioned and he lost the ball he didn't want to make a tackle but he lost the ball. What my point was, he lost the ball in our own half and that's something that we're doing constantly. Look at Lee Grace, he did it. Lost the ball, we conceded in Waterford. We have to stop giving the ball away in our own half because we're getting punished every time. Gives the ball away. I think Benson takes control of it. Slots it into... Who got the assist for? Who took the shot? Hoban. Hoban. And so we'll talk... I'll restart. Bulger has the ball. Gives it away. Benson makes a darting run with the ball. Slots it into Hoban. Hoban takes a shot and then it's spilled by um, by by Horgan and then Lukey Bourne tries to stick his arse in the way instead of clearing it and it's tapped in by Benson. Now a lot of people are furious with Lukey but if you watch it back I don't think he, if, even if he had a slid in I don't think he was ever getting to it. He tried to shield it which I thought was the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. I thought he should have just threw his body at it and just hopefully it goes somewhere other than the back of the net instead of trying to shield it in that situation I thought the reaction to it was slow actually even from Horgan I thought I thought it was a fault I thought Horgan either needed to catch it push it away totally or react to it and smother it and he yeah. didn't do any of the three so if, if you're going to palm the ball away I know like I said this is all hindsight but we're going to analyse it anyway it, it was poor on his behalf I mean it looked like he, it wasn't that much of a it wasn't a stinging shot it was a, a shot and goal he could have caught it if you're gonna palm it away, get get a fucking like he should be making his mind up. When this guy is coming to take a shot, he's thinking, okay, am I gonna catch this or am I gonna palm it away? Just palm it away, get it out of, get it out of there. And unfortunately, we went one nil down, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's we're just not cute enough at the moment. And then the second half, talk about that, prof. We'll go straight into the second goal, will we? Yep, but it's 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 very disappointing because there's a couple of angles you can go out here. You could say Bulger should have cleared it. I mean, anything in your six yard box and your box comes flashing across the box, you clear that. Was there a show for keepers? Was there a show for away? But either way, hundred percent, I feel he was at fault for that goal. Well, if you watch it back, uh, Bulger, he's about to clear, steps off, and he steps he? off. But even then, the ball is so tame. Like it's a it's a tame cross. Mm. That's what it is. And even even well, once again, it goes back to the pitch. I'm not playing the pitch, <laughs> but I hate that pitch because the the unnatural swarm of rubber particles that just mm. erupt from the ground as as the ball bounces every single time. It's I hate it, and it's so unnatural. It adds unnatural speed to the ball, and 
like I said, I'm not blaming the pitch. That's just a, something. I, do you know what? I'm putting it on now. I'm putting fake pitches on the list of hatred. That's a double edition. That's a week. double edition. Yeah, 100%. I hate them. I really do. Same to Brandywell. Apparently, Brandywell's mm. is fantastic, but I just, it's, it's, I just can't stand it. But the goal itself, mm. it's so, so disappointing. I think to the watch. debate comes down to, I suppose, is did. Did Horgan shout away or did he shout it's mine? Yeah, well I don't think we'll ever find that out unless we have some sort of inside info which I don't think we'll be privy to but either way the ball shouldn't go in the back of the net. It's simple. We deal with that. We're, we're beating them. If, I reckon we would have beat them if we had, if they hadn't knocked the shite out of us. In fairness, we reacted fantastically. We reacted, we came back and we, we got a goal. Mm. We just couldn't, we, we, we had them under serious pressure. Yeah, but, I mean, I have to say, and to be honest, I wasn't hopeful at all. No, about getting back into the game, and you should. I looked around when the second goal went in, and everyone standing on that horrible terrace in Oriel Park, they just went white. We were just so deflated. Yeah, I can only imagine. But yeah, that, I think that enough about that. Now I think we'll have to move on because it's. And by the way, that was Chris Shields' first league goal in five years. Five years, and he didn't even mean it. And it was a shit cross. <laughs> He didn't even mean, and you know what? He's the type of fucker that will brag about this for weeks, especially because he fancies himself the funny man on Twitter. You know. Uh, what else we got? We had Carr with the uh, very sneaky front post header. I love this because he was actually yeah. going to take the corner first. I think Brando says get in the box. His back was torn. The second he turned around to <laughs> face the ball, he just the, the ball was upon him, and he just nodded it in as a super header. And like I said, if we get balls into him in the box. That's stabbing finish mm. against Sligo. I think he's going to be excellent in the box. That was our first goal from a corner this season, wasn't it? First goal from a corner, yeah. yeah. That's something we haven't really conceded. We conceded from a corner. That was one of our uh, weak points last year was defensive uh, frailties from corners and, and set pieces. Mm. So we haven't proved on that aspect of our play. So that was the first goal Dundalk conceded this season. Yeah, and definitely. And, uh, I don't know how they've kept clean sheets considering mm. we, we tore them to shreds at times. And someone turned around and he said, stick that in your stats. Stick that in your stats. Yeah, and I was like, okay, we'll do. <laughs> but the floodiest of chances, Prof. Yeah. Like, like we spoke about, I thought Pico, Pico should have buried it. But Pat Tutty will tell you, that was reminiscent oh. of me playing for Glen Malore <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. That one wasn't in the uh, highlights either. Yeah, that, I noticed that, that as well. Pico chance. Yeah, that so he, he should have buried that. Yeah. You'd got Shazzy with the one-on-one. He, Shazzy was true on, uh, on his left foot. But before Shazzy, what a run by Ethan Boyle. Oh, and, and a superb pass in. He burst well. past about five players. Yeah. And that's what you have with him. Set that's... up Shazzy. And time stood still. And I was like, Time stood please, still. Please what a bury show. this. Please bury this. Epic show there, Prof. Because uh, it was, yeah, it was like. Sava stopped it, unfortunately. Yeah. It was, like I said, it was. Boyle's been improving <laughs> in every game. And Shazzy needs to bury those. And I think it might be, could you say ring rust? Could you say lack of game time? No, no confidence. Shazzy's a confident enough guy, so. I think the strikers it's the same with our keepers I think we need to pick one and play him every week mm. and I think it might be Carr considering he's got what how many goals in many games now well, two in his last two two in his last two so I don't think he'd be dropped for this one Berkey had a shot tipped onto the bar that that summed up Sava for me great strike that was it was a great strike yeah. on his right foot completely out of nowhere but the way he saved it was just it was so unorthodox <laughs> it was, took the worst out of your mouth it yeah. was weird wasn't it it was funny as well the way he kind of his body movement but we, like I said, we, we hopped off them. We really should have beat them. At yeah. least a point. Like I said, I wasn't hopeful at all at 2-0. And by the end of the game, I thought, Jesus, Dundalk had away with murder there. Absolute murder. 
they were clinging on for that to that win. And there was two refs on the pitch towards the end of the second half, Prof. Yeah, Mr. Stephen O'Donnell. Yeah, Stevie D came on. Congrats- Side- sideways Stevie. Yeah, congratulations on his uh, 200 league appearance. Only took 10 years. 10 years to make 200. Uh, it was a sick note, sideways Stevie. And yeah, like you said, Carr has been growing every week for me. I, I've, I really think Carr is going to be a player for the next few weeks. I'm going to... He'll be in my predictions now in a while. He was and excellent in that game. He, his hold-up play is brilliant. He he can skin a player and hold up the ball well, and then he, he turns and he's back in trying to trying to get onto it. But I think we should take that over his game, put him in the box, let 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 Borky work it in, let our three players behind him work the ball into him and get him in, get him in behind the defenders, mm-hmm. get him chances. We really need to get him in. Go him in. Uh, we really need to get him in on goal. Having said that, when uh, Shaw and Carr are on the pitch at the same time, they looked a real handful. What do you think of two up front, uh, fellow ho- contributor and uh, aficionado? He's uh, Anto Matthews reckons we should play two up front. Shazi and Kerr reckons they complement each other. Give it a go and see what happens. But that means you're going to sacrifice Bulger, Finn, Davy well, Mack for for Bork, and is Bork going to play in behind the striker? Yeah. Is he going to play in the wing? Then there's so yeah. many options to think about. I think the worst thing we can do is start putting Berkey in the wing. I think he needs to stay where he is. Yeah, definitely. He'd be completely wasted, and uh, he plays a free role as it is really. So. But we definitely keep him in the centre behind the striker. But we, like you said, deserved a draw and Dundalk were hanging on for their dear lives. Colin Bourne went down my estimations now, in fairness. Like, he's great on greatest league in the world. But the fact that, where did he get his information about... Uh, uh, Ethan Boyle? Yeah, where did he get his information about Ethan Boyle? I mean, that's completely false. That we're, we're getting on his back. And... I don't know maybe Khan said it to him but I, I don't think that's the case at all we're in the terraces week in week out and we haven't heard anybody getting boils back at all so that was completely false and um, he's been growing in, in confidence each week and he's been playing a little bit better but we'll move on now to the Donna Bay madman Bernie and uh, he said what, rem- what we must remember is outside the goalkeeping situation we have a cracking little team RT had a lot of good things to say about us tonight and we look really good on the telly he said Bradley has built a team a team of young hungry talented players who are close to where we need to be. I don't know why we didn't sign a new keeper in the off-season, but he knows he has to. So let's bite our tongues as much as possible in the meantime because when we need to sign the right keeper, we will be a force. I'm going to come out and say it now. We're, we're following Rovers 10 years now, probably think. This is the best football I've ever seen Rovers play. Can you remember, like, kick and rush was Michael O'Neill, you know, get it up the twig, work it in. We didn't play fantastic flowing football. This is the best mm. football I've ever seen Rovers play. Unquestionably, yeah. I mean, I've talked before about defending here where literally nothing would happen. And then Crawley was just a horrible build-up play of just the, the, the monotonous build-up. Crawley I'm ball. actually I'm actually just staring at the space right now because <laughs> I'm looking for inspiration and how to actually describe Crawley ball. You're trying to find the signs of soccer, yeah. <laughs> But it was it's 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 amazing, and I genuinely think we're going to hop off balls, and I, I think they're not going to be able to cope with us unless they park the bus. I think if we go out and play our game and don't get dragged into this derby mentality, I think we'll fucking smash these on Friday. I really do. Well, we've not been scoring a lot of goals since the two six ones. Yeah, or sorry, the six nil and the six one. But um, yeah, so that was Barney and Bradzer said in the media, he said, "Or Horgan should have done better for the first goal, but there's no fault for the second goal." Jesus. I'm not looking to blame him. It's nothing got to do with the goalkeeper. One of our players had the ball running in the six-yard box and you can't do that. The instruction was away and if you get that, you clear the ball. So how's the cobra? How's the cobra? How's the keeper supposed to know he's going to let it run? I don't know about that, man. 
Well, he's right one. now. In fairness, he's right with the first one. Either way, the keeper, the keeper should save that no matter what. Mm. And if the call is away, Bulger's at fault as well. So I don't know. Even the players were dejected after the game. Apparently, Finn clapped and went straight. Clapped briefly. There was a debate whether he actually did clap the fans. He did clap the fans, mm. and he went straight down the tunnel. Yeah. So that's this is we could talk about this all fucking night when it comes to. Like, this is a serious debate here. Well, Bradley is defending his player in public. No qualms about that whatsoever. That's that's what you have to do as a manager. So. He is defending the keeper, yeah. but he's not hanging Bulger. But he's saying, listen, you're wrong. He's saying Bulger was wrong there. So he's picking... If you're going to pick... If he's picking sides, he's pretty much picking Bulger there. Or picking picking Horgan and saying, yeah, Horgan... Wasn't. I know, but Horgan's the one under pressure right now. Bulger is a really experienced player. You can take one week of flack and move on. Yeah. And I have to say, I thought, um, fair enough, I know they have to do it, but Soccer Republic didn't do anything for Horgan. They they pretty much compiled all of our goalkeeping mistakes. Fair enough, it's a talking point, but Jesus, it's not doing it. Hopefully Horgan didn't watch it. Doing nothing for his confidence. Mm-hmm. They're just highlighting our goalkeeping situation, which is probably the right thing to do, but geez, Horgan, Horgan won't be happy. They definitely won't do anything for his confidence watching Soccer Republic. And... Um, yeah, so Rovers chat uh, that was muted for the weekend yeah I think it was that the balls game and this one I just didn't read it for the first 24 hours because it was just a cesspool cesspool <laughs> no other word for it here. great show yeah. I love of all people who was banned it was Magic Sabalio he got the boo really yeah why it's just, he's been posting shite now for a while has he absolute shite what's he been saying I don't know what's he, he only became a Rovers fan because he went to the Real Madrid friendly right and he, and he got the boo he posted a picture of himself saying please put me in goal <laughs> he says a humour I think Dan Fulham saw that and was like right that's it gone that's just says a humour anyway yeah. it's been worse and uh, people still ignoring the Tommy Kelly rule of waiting an hour after a match yeah. before you post we'll have to t- it's on the list of hatred Tommy Kelly's number one rule please remember do not post within an hour of a Rovers defeat hmm. on Rovers chat. And the guy who tweeted directly at Horgan, you saw that one? Yeah, he needs to be outed. He's, he's unfollowed on Twitter, that's for sure. And red arsed. I, I don't have to kick balls at him and roast him. Don't care about his apology, to be honest. No, it's bullshit. Stupid carry on. Directly yeah. aimed at him. It's, it's, do you know what? That's akin to abusing him on the sideline. That's, that's the same as saying fucking Horgan you're shy or that's Horgan you're this and you're that on the sideline yeah. or at a match that's the same as that Dire- directly at him now we're all we're all frustrated and annoyed but whatever happens we have to pick one of our keepers from now until the summer and the fans need to get behind them and per- yeah exactly otherwise exactly. this situation will just get worse yeah personally I think that he should be given a, like a, a chorus of support and we should aim all our support at the goalkeeper whoever starts because they need to, they need a lift the ball with our confidence must be shattered so it's going to be time for us this season I reckon either way we just have mm-hmm. to support them what's the point in not doing it what's the point in being negative there's no point in not fair enough we all have our opinions we can all talk on, on podcasts we can we can post on Rover Shop but do not voice it to the players that you're you're disgusted with them what's the point what's the point in telling them oh you're shy or, or any of this it doesn't do any anyone any, any mm-hmm. favours so no one seems to be mentioned the point that uh all of these mistakes happened away from home. We've only conceded one goal at home. Why have all our clangers been away? I don't know. Is it a mentality? Is it? Granted, we played tougher teams away than Doc Cork Waterford. But I mean, how do we Tomer, that? Tomer was solid against Pats. Horgan had a good game against Sligo. 
So what do we do? What do we? How do we improve? It's our perfectly plausible that whoever plays on Friday against Bowes is going to have a stormer. Yeah. I mean, and then God yeah. knows what happens in the away game. Yeah. So we've got Bray on the Monday then. Yeah. It's it's a tricky one, are we? So we had uh, Alan Carley on Soccer Republic. He was great, so he was. <laughs> he actually made sense, in fairness. A lot of people don't like Alan. I think he's all right to a certain extent. But is uh, he, he was bang on the money about the goalkeeper situation. No, you, you can't argue with anything no. he said, really. Bang on the money. Although, it's back, Gar. What's back? Here was back. What? The hoo-ha. The hoo-ha. I love this. The hoo-ha, hoo-ha Carly. I had to ask him about this on Twitter. Because the second time he said it. It's Sligo slang, is it? No, I'm, I'm asking him about, like, what does he mean that there was a hoo-ha made of re-signing Tomer? <laughs> maybe a hullabaloo, maybe. What other words could, what other yeah. words could you Hollywood think of? So I've actually brought a dictionary with me to Johnny Vua today. And <laughs> Gar, it tells me that a hoo-ha means a fuss, oh. uproar, commotion or stir. Ah, very good. Hype, brouhaha, or, or hullabaloo. Hullabaloo, that's the one I'll go It's for. also slang, which we don't need to go into right now. It's not relevant. No, but it's just funny that uh, he's actually... I said, are you referring to this press release from November when we re-signed four players? And at the bottom of it was just a few lines in Tomer. I'm like, is this the who-ha you're talking about? Yeah. And he, uh, it's just funny that most Rovers fans read that as not a major endorsement of Tomer. Well, but he read it the opposite way. He read it as a ringing endorsement. Did he? That's why he keeps saying hoo-ha. Yeah, well, the, 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 the initial hoo-ha, there was no initial A.K.A. Hullabaloo. blue. A.K.A. Stir. uproar. There was, there was no initial hoo-ha um, about our goalkeeping situation as regards to the media and things like that. Maybe within the fans, there was a hoo-ha, but the hoo-ha that exists now is now over our goalkeeping situation and he seems like he's vindicated now. He seems like, oh yeah, I was right in the first place. But there was no initial hoo-ha. But the hoo-ha now is over our goalkeeping situation. So hopefully this hoo-ha will no longer... I want want a transcript of everything you just said. (laughs) Just look hilarious on paper. Rude Fatty was was pretty good as well. I thought she knew her stuff. Yeah, she's a very good addition to the panel. Especially compared to some of the dopes they have on. Oh man, some of the idiots. On a weekly basis. Dave Barry. He hasn't been there in a while, has he? No. No, in fairness, Dave Barry is a guilty pleasure of mine. Somebody who just comments and doesn't... That's because you love his chips. Somebody who (laughs) comments and doesn't doesn't actually know about what they're commenting on. Like he spoke... What did he speak about? You love him because he's like Johnny Blue. (laughs) He thinks he knows things about stuff he has no idea about. I know, I just can't wait to hear what he comes out with next. Um... Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the roundup of Dundalk. And we're going to move on to our other results now. And we had Bowles, Nil All and Limerick. And uh, my my Bowles Mall said that they should have beat them. They had a couple of chances. And they're quite disappointed with their season so far. Pats 5-0 against Bray. Could have been 7 or 8. And we had Waterford beaten two, Cork 2-1. And uh, could you say that that was a hoo-ha at the end of that game? Hoo-ha doesn't do that justice. Doesn't do it justice, does no. it? That was more of a ruckus, wasn't it? It was yeah. madness, really. And um, I think we're going to have to... This, this, uh, These red cards will directly affect my predictions as well because um, you're missing the bar and ERE and uh, they've got a tough game coming up. So we'd still go Rovers at home and uh, they're not happy with Jared Little. I was actually on the banter pages, Carl. Yes, I was on the banter pages. Oh. And they were beaten 2-0 by Derry in the showgrounds and the Slogo fans are not happy with Jared Little at all. Five home Five, games. yeah, I was just about to say. Five home games. 
five, five games out of six they've lost at home. I can only imagine. And they're still getting the crowds. That's the one thing about the showgrounds. They always fill that stand opposite the away end. And uh, they, they might start to dwindle now. Up the Jinx Avenue. Drinking cans into the showgrounds. Yeah, we noticed Derry are really creeping up our arse now. Yeah, and look at Pats. Pats are one game off. One game in hand and three well, points behind us. Still not taking Pats seriously, but I mean, Derry are <laughs> on a run, so. Pats played some nice stuff against Pats the Pats are just the same game. as balls. They win one week, lose the next. Yeah, so we had uh, our lone Aaron Dobbs scored his fourth goal for Wexford at the weekend. Good to see him off the mark. And uh, Bray manager Dave Mackey stepped down on Monday and Graham Kelly is a new caretaker boss that was uh, alongside Jay McGuinness who stepped down the week before. Mm. So it's a uh, turmoil in the sh- in the Carlisle grounds. I think the the Dave Mackey Soccer Republic post-match interview was one week away become, from becoming a meme. A meme. <laughs> he just was cutting this forlorn figure every week. And you know what? If, my insider, my refereeing insider, he said that um, he said that from the sideline, Dave Dave Mackey was was literally like a like a mouse. His instructions, everything about him, he was just just didn't care, just didn't have it in him. So it it was it was on the cards. Yeah, we hear Brian Quigley's tossing that a little bit later. Her a brave fan. And the monster melee we we spoke about, or the monster fracas. But you've no alliteration then, so that's why you need the melee. I'm trying to think of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, the uh, I, I'm going to come up with something before the end of the show. Uh, Packer Martin said, interesting when a pair of culture teams start slapping the heads off each other and get six red cards. It's a bit of passion at the Munster Derby. But all we got was sermons for our red cards last year. And Nick Clark says, I recall that Johnny Ward was particularly vocal about it. And Brad's are in particular last season. So let's see what he says about Caulfield and Cole now. Great point by Nick and uh, Pat. So six people send off in that game. Yeah, two subs, two players, and two managers. So you had the two Alan Reynolds, Caulfield, two on-field players were Eri, and then you had Abora and Beatty, that little toe rag, getting involved. So he was sent off as well. I remember we asked Davy Mack to rank the managers in the order of toughness last week. Yeah, and he had Alan Reynolds number Caulfield's one. Caulfield's officially number ten for me now. He got panned <laughs> out. Yeah, Reynolds was number one, and apparently word has filtered through to Buckelker, and he's not happy being ranked last. Are you serious? So, so that's uh, Bucko not happy at all with us ranking him right down the bottom. It's true though, unless he's got some sort of secret black belt in jiu-jitsu. But uh, no, I'd, I'd rank him down the bottom as well. He's a softie. Maybe, maybe he'll do a Shawn Michaels and just suddenly change his hairstyle at his age now. <laughs> you can imagine him in the tights and the speedos. And, uh, alright, so since we're talking about Pats, we have, they have uh, unveiled a proposal of a new 12,000 seater stadium on top of a shopping centre in Inchicore. Makes no sense, prof. <laughs> At all. <laughs> well, the year 2022 is mentioned. So straight off, you can add a minimum of two years onto that. Yeah. You can knock off 2,000 from the capacity. Because this is League of Ireland we're talking about. Yeah. So that would be their stadium. So they're obviously looking for it to be rented out for category... A, B games, whatever, internationals, things like that. So, But let's be honest, man. They, they can't even fill that stand. The Kamak is empty. I mean, they literally don't. They don't get more than 1,500 at a game. So this is obviously some sort of uh, financial scheme by Kelleher. To, to Some tax write-off. It has to be some sort of Well, obviously, scheme. League of Iron Stadia is in the news. I mean, Bowles are getting a new one. In a few years, Derry just upgraded. We've just upgraded. Great, I love what happened. Cork just improved their facility. Yeah, so, great. yeah, I mean, yeah, I wanted to happen. I want, I want, 
all clubs to improve their grounds. Yeah, definitely. But you can understand the cynicism. Of course. I mean, like I said, they do. Fair, fair enough. You take the Lewis away from Tala, they're, they're bringing 200. Other than that, they bring six and eight. You know, they have, they have, a, they have a great support when it comes to Tala, but mm. at the, home. The cynicism is justified, let's just say. Yeah, I think so. And then we had Pats and uh, Dundalk. They had a cracker of a four-all draw. Richmond Park and the League Cup and Dundalk won on Penos, and it was an eventful debut for... Uh, was it his debut? Mm-hmm. Some debut for Mick Lee, wasn't it? Yeah, an extra time, he put Pats 3-2 up. Then he scored an on-goal to make it 3-0. Then he scored again for Pats to make it 4-3. All in the space of seven minutes. Oh, the space of seven minutes. Whirlwind seven minutes. What a hat-trick. What a hat-trick, yeah. And then we had results from the Irish Amputee League at the weekend in Montenot, Cork. And it was Cork City 2, Shamrock Rovers 0. Bohemians 3, Shamrock Rovers 1. And Cork City 2, Bohemians 2. Yeah, so uh, Rovers are still looking for the fourth win after four games played. And the next round of games will be played at Bowes Ground in early May. So we'll have an interview with one of these players before then. So, uh, Graeme Bourke has been nominated for Player of the Month and Rovers have started a new Club Player of the Month competition. Borky won the vote, so a €100 Euro meal at Peachtree East for him. Yeah, so uh, Peachtree East, don't forget, we are still sponsored by those generous, generous, wonderful restaurateurs and uh, they are actually this week mm. kids eat free. So, you bring your season ticket along mm. and on a Sunday as well, so bring your season ticket along on match day and your kids will eat free and you're going to get yourself some lovely beef shake. Absolutely gorgeous. So Borky can treat me and Prof to a nice romantic meal with his 100 euro voucher. So it's a great article by McDarrah Ferris on the official League of Ireland website called No Place Like Home about Rover's journey to Tala. And uh, fantastic stuff by McDarrah as usual. Great reads. Yeah, there's a bit in there about the late 90s during Pat Burns' time. Remember he put the principal on the list of hatred. Yeah. And a nice plug for Tala time at the end of still. Of course, Happy of course. Fantastic book, and if you haven't got it, go out and get it. It's it's a uh, it's Carl's book, Talatime, and it documents the whirlwind rise of the team that first played in Tala Stadium. It's actually it's an excellent read. It's available in the shop, and it's mm. it's something that I read on the toilet quite quite often. Toilet reading, toilet reading, yeah. yeah. And I toilet reading is actually underrated. People seem to think that you read on the toilet, mm. it's it's garbage. Toilet reading is mm-hmm. my favorite reading. <laughs> it's, it is. It's a great book. And um, Carol and McDara's book, just def- to, Carol McDara's book, yeah, and it's it's definitely worth the the few quid in the shop. So a bit McDara wrote about the infamous home league fixture at Turners Cross in the Rovers match program published a week after that match. A letter to the editor from the Rovers supporter Jim Conroy summed up the frustration of Hoops fans. Jim said that twenty uh, seventh of September two thousand three was the most humiliating day in the history of Shamrock Rovers FC. We travelled to Cork, and no, and uh, the one thing that sustained us was that we could see our beloved green and white hoops jerseys as the hoops will be playing at home, in inverted commas. The jersey is probably the only thing about our club in which we can still be proud, and sadly, even that last bit of dignity was taken away from us as we lined out in our away strip. The club agreed to do this for Cork for the sake of a few euros. How low can you get? I can't believe that. A few quid? So, like, what, 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 they got a few quid just for wearing their away kit? Madness. Yeah, it was sad, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so <coughs> some anniversaries we have 25 years ago today. The Bowles bus broke down and cost them the league in Dundalk. Still fucking hilarious, says Justin Mason. Yeah, that was 92 93 season where it came down to a three way playoff between Cork, Shells, and Bowles. Three way playoff? Yeah. Imagine, that's crazy. If Bowles had just beaten Dundalk that day, it would, would so have how been, it work? Would have been no need for a playoff. It was like a round robin between the three teams. But the gas part was they still couldn't settle it. They're all still level on points. <laughs> so I had to do another round robin. Oh, 
can only imagine how embarrassing then, that was. And then Cork won it in the end. Oh, that's the reason goal difference came in because of that season. Rovers won it the following year. So uh, Ray Tracy passed away three years ago yesterday, and the man that led Rovers to that 1994 league title. Ray Tracy is king. Ray Tracy is king. Yeah, what a song. And uh, some sad news in the Leinster Senior League. Uh, Blue Bell President Christy Behan passed away this week and we'd like to send our condolences to friends and family who's devoted to the club for decades and uh, if you read any of the social media like that from Blue Bell he would be sadly, sadly missed so definitely our condolences sent out to Andy Noonan and all his staff and players at Blue Bell and uh, wish them all the best so uh, next up we have uh, big congratulations to Ed Saul resident season ticket ticket drawer and uh Keith Baker, two Rovers members, two good good hoops, and Freehouse Clover who won their cup semi final. Seven games, seven clean sheets, and they're off to the Aviva on May twelfth. Big big final for them, and uh, I think they've won every bit of silverware since two thousand and nine. So they're doing really well, and um, a big hoops contingent out at the game. Two 0 they beat Letterkenny, so definitely uh, head out there on the twelfth. And uh, two, what, what have we got? We've got more there against Minute University in the final. And uh, he has plans to run Buster for Freehouse and activities throughout the day. And it's a dream come true for the boys. And I think he's the youngest manager to ever get to the final, Key Baker. Well. A, couple of, a couple of ex-hoops in the team as well, Mick McLaughlin and Mick Doyle in centre mid for them. So congratulations yeah. to the boys on getting to the final. I think we'll head down to that. We'll have a, have a few points on the way in. Yeah, best of luck, lads. Yeah, best of luck. And then we have our uh, under-19s in the Roadstone Project. They were steamrolling teams at the moment, Carol. Under-19s beat Westwood 9-0 on Saturday at Rollstone. A hat-trick from Dean Williams, young tricky Dean, and a brace each from Dean Dillon and Brandon Kavanagh put them 7 up at half-time. Wow. Aaron Bulger and Richie English scored in the second, and Keane McMahon was at the game, and he said some quality on show here from Rovers midfield three. Bulger, Kavanagh and Cornley are a joy to watch. So uh, we'll have to get down more often to watch the Rollstone. I mean, think about it. It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic facility there, and there's a full bar. You can catch a two games, maybe. There could be a game there on a Saturday at four, and then one on a half seven. You'd, you'd be steaming watching the half seven game. I know, that's always the first thing you bring up, the bar. Yeah, it's To uh, encourage people to go yeah, down and watch this. It's the one thing that attracts people. Rage games. And one thing I will be, um, I will be saying is, uh, Ed, Saul, and Justin Mason, if you're not going to run, if, uh, if, if you're not able to run the Pride of Rings end anymore, maybe we could pitch having it at the Roadstone, considering there's a full bar. There's a full Astro pitch. Could have it on a Saturday in the summer. Can still be the Pride of Rings end. Could be the Towson the East End tournament. But either way, it's 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 a good facility to have that. I'm sure they won't, they won't mind giving us a day on a Saturday in the summer to to host the tournament. Full bar there. Be a great. I think it'd be a great way of uh, of getting the fans together on a, on a on a Saturday. So we'll we'll look into that one. So we'll have. Um, we have more on our, our Roadstone project as well. We have uh, the 90s. We'll be playing Cork this coming Saturday, 2pm at Bishopstown. So Bishopstown is their Roadstone, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. It pretty much will be, yeah. Cork senior team used to play there. Cork senior team. And then uh, guess who will celebrate his 18th birthday on Sunday? Evan Smithers. Excellent. Uh, the 17s won 2-1 away to Waterford on Saturday. Make it three wins from three and goals from Jack Kelly and, and Danila Bagdanovs. Or Bogdanovs. So, uh, what if it missed two penos in that game? Any saves? Nope. No no Bazuna saves? Over in the post. Over in the post. And uh, they'll play Braid this coming Saturday, 4pm at Rollstone. So there's your 4pm game at Rollstone. 
going to have a few pints. So uh, they play Bray this coming Saturday 4pm at Roadstone. And uh, we had another 9 nil win. The 15th. Duffer's Dynamos against Longford. This was originally down to be played in Longford. But heavy rain during a week. Meant that Longford's ground was unplayable. And the game was switched to Roadstone. So they got smashed around. Young Hoops running amok. Young Hoops running amok. Good day all around for yeah. the 19th, 17th, 15th. And the 15th play Sligo on Sunday. 4pm at Roadstone. So there you go. 4pm Roadstone. 4pm Saturday. Saturday and Sunday, pints. So well done to Rovers, Ushin Hand, who scored the opening goal in the 2-1 win for the Republic of Ireland under 15s against Czech Republic last week. And then the 2-2 draw against the Czechs, there was a stunning individual ever. Check this out, it's on Twitter, it's on social media. From Rovers' youngster, Sammy Clark. He picked up the ball in tight position on the left and he shrugged off attention from three Czech defenders, but he is and fired at home. It was a cracker. Yeah, this got a bit of attention online. I think Dover's drills paying off there. I think so. The ones getting he out of, from Mourinho. Getting out of tight spaces. Getting out of tight spaces, yeah, definitely. And a fantastic article with him in the Sunday Times, and he really is putting everything into it, isn't he? I love this article. Blood, so sweat, much. and tears. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Excellent article. And uh, really, really interested to see the ins and outs. He's washing bibs, he has them up early, he's, he's treating them like men, the way it should be. And the opening paragraph read, it's 5.45 in the morning and Damien Duff is switching on the floodlights at the Roadstone Sports Complex in Tala, where Shamrock Rovers do their training. Slowly does it. One floodlight after another or there will be an explosion and the Rovers on the 15s who are on their way to join him will be left in the dark. Floodlights have cameras in them and his wife Elaine blew a fuse in Easter this week when Duff took his computer out and started watching training sessions taken by other coaches for the under 15s while on a family holiday in France. He said, my missus told me, get a life, you're obsessed. And he says, I know I'm obsessed. That's the magic formula. And it seems to be the magic formula at the moment. So, and it ended with this. It's uh, time to turn the lights off and lock up. He thinks of his old friends and teammates, Robbie Keane and Richard Dunn, scattered around the world. But Duffer says, it's horses for courses. Richie's in the south of France. Robbie's managing a team in India. And I'm in Tala, which uh, is where they're both from. Say no more. Yeah, and about the, the early morning starts, the irony is that as a player, Duffer loved his sleep. To the point where Niall Quinn called him Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> Rip Van Winkle. Yeah. Now some great quotes in that piece. Uh, Duffer said, "People in this country are giving presentations and telling kids to train less. And I want them to train twice as much. One of us is wrong, and it's not me." I love the way he's so uh, confident. Yeah, he said that the drills he does are ones he learned from Jose Mourinho at Chelsea. He has some sketch out in his in green ink in his little notebook, but he's only gone off memory because he never wrote them down. He never thought he'd be doing this, and he said. I literally love my 15s. I'm starting to think I might just stay with this age. The coaches laugh about it. But when I pass them on in October or November, I will be proper devastated. I have a bond with them. And I would like to think I've improved them. Yeah, great great stuff. Fantastic article. And uh, we're, I think we're lucky to have Duffer. And he, he's the he's the force rung on the ladder for, for our new batch of players. So he'd be moulding them and sending them on to the force team for us. Brad's are giving Duff a t- few tips as well, watching the sessions on the cameras, on the sly. So everything is recorded and you can watch it all, so there's no getting away from it. It's like Big Brother. But next up, we have Carl's stats. Like you haven't done this this season. The best stats in the world, yeah. We yeah. haven't done stats this season so far. The prof has been busy and having a stats overload here. So um, we're going to give you some Bose stats. We have Bose kept their first clean sheet of the season against Limerick last week. And Sligo are now the only team in the division without one. And Shamrock Rovers have scored it uh, against every team bar Cork. Since the opening day with win over Rovers, Bowles have only beaten bottom club Bray with a last minute winner by Dinny Corcoran. So by all means, they are struggling. But it's a derby, prof. It's a derby. 
Corcoran netted 15 of their 36 league goals last season, but he his only goal of the season. Uh, Corcoran netted 15 of their 36 league goals last season, but that is his only league goal so far this year. So, uh, one against Bray. It's not exactly something to write home about. Graham Burke and Dan Carr are the only Rovers players to score in the last six games. Danny Carr has played a part in all 10 games so far, but he has only been on the pitch at the same time as Gary Shaw twice and for the last 7 minutes at Daily Mount and his last 16 minutes at Oriel Park uh, both teams have scored most of the league goals in the second half 14 out of 18 for Rovers and 6 out of 8 for Bowles so on paper we do look like smashing them so what's the odds of a nil-nil and tad on Friday oh, at half time no half time I mean <laughs> oh, not, half time. not full time so draw f- oh god good show good show there's, there's, there's your tip Bowles and Bray are the only teams without an away win. Bowles only away win and goal was Owen Stokes. Late equaliser in Limerick. Bowles and Finn Harps gained more away points than they did at home last season. Turners Cross, Oriel Park and Talla were amongst their nine away wins. Rovers have only conceded one goal at home so far. So is Talla officially Fortress Prof? It could be. And that was to Derry. The Hoops are unbeaten at home in the league since a 2-0 defeat to Derry last August. And uh, Bowles won 2-1 here in July. Their first victory in Talent in five years and the first time that they scored more than one goal in 18 competitive visits. That's a banger in air. I like that one. And Rovers have won four consecutive home leave games for the first time since the run of five in July 2015. Bowles are looking for three straight wins over Rovers for the first time since the run of four from 2008 and 2009. And how did so that run end, Gary? How did that run end? But Gary Twig, 2-1, two goals in the 90th minute. Mayhem in the main stand. Vinnie Collins falling into the ball section. Me saving his life. <laughs> Copper's getting hats smacked off them. What what a epic, epic 2-1 win. And I'm looking at the, the scenes now as it's the signed copy by Gary Twig on the wall. You have the late George Bourne in ecstasy. Martin Moore up top right. He's my favourite bit about that whole picture. <laughs> Just pure, pure joy. And all of the hoop, good, good few of the hoops I see in there actually. 25 years gone strong. And... Um, so that's our stats for this week. Fantastic stuff from the prof, as usual. Prof, amazing stats. What do you say about that, prof? Give us a give us a comment on your stats there. I'm glad you liked them, guy. <laughs> yeah. Squirming again. So we're going to move on to starting elevens and predictions. Okay, prof. So we have Trevor Clark getting his operation. So we know he's ruled out. Wednesday. So today, officially, he's officially under the knife as we speak. Very possibly. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, getting that knee cleared out and I looked at his Instagram and I think it was Sean Boyd or something like that pulling up. Trevor is still working hard in the gym. He's doing pull-ups. He's doing all sorts with, with and, he, and he's not wearing anything protective. He's not he's not uh, mm-hmm. limping. This guy is made of steel. He's tough as nails. Well, this all changed on post-op, I presume. Possibly, very much so. I'm not too sure how the ins and out works of operations but I'm very sure that... Hopefully it goes well very, anyway. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it goes well. So our starting 11s and predictions. I'm going to skip the goalkeeping part. We're going to move on to the outfield force. It's our, it's our outfield players' predictions <laughs> this week. I tell you what, Prof, flip a coin there. No, but I think it has to be Tomer. It has to be Tomer. I mean, he's, he's more solid. And going off form, it has to be Tomer. So Tomer in, right? Um, you, might, you might not agree, but I'm going to play Kavanaugh left full. And I think we need that attacking threat. And I think he's a little bit more composed than Lukey. And I'm going to play Kavanaugh left full. Tom go right full boil. I'm going to have, I think Pico and, I think Pico's going to step up to the play for this one. I'm going to play Pico again, centre half, with Grace. I think he's going to play well in the derby. 
I'm going to have Coustron on the left. And I'm going to have him targeting Derek Pender with his pace. Because we know Derek Pender is going to play really full. So I'm going to say, tell to Joao Coustron. I'm going to say, get up the line and just target him. Keep keep getting at him. And then we're going to have Kavanaugh overlapping. So that's a fantastic option to have. So you're going to have Joao Coustron with his pace. Getting at Derek Pender. And then you're going to have Kavanaugh overlapping him. And having that wonderful left foot. Gandalf Staff. Burying in balls into the box for Carr to head home. There, I've just described the whole match. 3 0. You've planned this out clearly. Thanks for keep on hooping. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I'm going to have tough one in the middle this week. I'm going to start with Brando on the right purely because I think that kick up the arse and being dropped against Dundalk might spur him on to, to score. And that fantastic stat with him that you have, Prof, him and Trevor Malloy, most goals since Milltown against Daily Mount. So him on the right and in the middle of the park. Might sound harsh, but I thought Bulger had a poor game. I'm dropping Bulger and putting Davy Mack in mm-hmm. to to rally the troops and Finn and Bork in the, in above them against in the number ten role with Danny Carr up front. So we'll run through it again. It's gonna be Tomer and goal, left full Kavanaugh, right full uh Boyle, centre half Pico and Grace. Centre mid, we have Davy Mack and Finn on the left, Joel Coustron and Brando on the right with Carr up front and Brando or sorry, uh Borky in the hole and uh, that's my team Prof I think you're you, I could tell by the look on your face that you've something different already yeah so I'm making three changes I've got Tomer Brando and Davy Mack all coming in okay so Brando's coming in for Constraint Davy Mack in for Bulger that's uh, that's our starting 11s and I'm going to say a 3-1 win because I can't see us keeping a clean sheet I'm going to say we're going to we're going to concede in Tala Second goal conceded all season and I just think it's it's just going to be one of those things. They're going to score and make it a bit tight, a bit edgy in the derby. I'm going to say 3-1 win. Prof, what are you going for? I'll just go 3-0 winner. 3-0 win. So that's the starting 11s and our predictions. And then, so then we have Bray on Monday and uh, we're out in the Carlisle ground. So uh, we won't predict a team but we will predict our scores I'm going to say 4 nil win I'm going to say we're going to beat them easily out there now I know it's a, not a happy hunting ground for Rovers but they're in turmoil at the moment and by all accounts they're not looking like a team that give a fuck about their, the badge so I think a 4 nil win don't break I'll go 2-0 two 2-0 nil. Two nil win for the prof so uh, speaking of Bray we have Brian Quigley Bray fan and uh, we're going to roll that one out now so we're joined on the line by Bray Wanderers fan Brian Quigley and Brian the obvious place to start the resignation of manager Dave Mackey on Monday after just a few short months in charge. So, your thoughts on that? Yes, it's kind of um, makes a, a difficult start to the season even more difficult. Um, when when Dave came in, we kind of thought that we we would have a chance of of staying up, um, maybe getting a playoff spot, the relegation playoff spot. Um, he came in very late, very close to the season uh, starting, which was very difficult for him because he had to assemble a squad very quickly uh, try to get them to gel um, things hadn't been going well obviously we find ourselves bombed at the table and Davis decided to resign which um, is unfortunate um, I think possibly if he'd stayed on he could have turned things around but with Graham Kelly coming in and his knowledge of the club I still think it's possible to, to turn things around I still think it's possible to Aim for that second last spot. Um, if you if you look at this, if you look at the table, we're only six points behind Sligo, which is only two games, two wins, two wins over games where we play Sligo. Um, you can claw that back. Um, it reminds me of really 
2014 when at loan were very far behind and um, after even more games than this and they brought in Keith Long and had a real good go at chasing down um, ourselves in UCD. Uh, in the end, they fell up just short, but they, they almost did it. So uh, things are possible uh, when a new manager comes in. Um, it can have an impact. Um, something, it can just clear the air, you know, get bring to the surface what exactly is wrong, what exactly um, people feel isn't right and, and it could be a time to change that. So, there's that, and then you, you look at the three games to come over the next week. Obviously, very, very difficult. Dundalk, um, Rovers, obviously, those two are at home, and then Waterford. So, you know, three of the, the top four sides. So, it, it couldn't be more difficult. But on the other hand, we've nothing to lose. Um, so, uh, I'm not giving up hope just yet that we can stay up this year. Um, that might sound crazy, but I still think it's it's possible that we can turn things around. I don't know if you watched Soccer Republic in their discussion of Barry the other night. They said that the loss of Pierre Sherry was a big one, but would you be questioning the commitment of senior players like Connor Kenna, Gary McCabe, Aaron Green, all former hoops as well? No, I've I've seen I've seen Bray a few times this year. I've seen um, most of the, all the home games, bar one, and one of the away games. I I wouldn't question the commitment. I've you know it looks to like Gary McCabe, people like that, and I really think they're. They're giving it their all. That that's my opinion. I think when you mentioned Peter Peter Cherry going, obviously he was player of the season last year. Um, for me, um, my favorite position in football is goalkeeper. I spend a lot of time watching goalkeepers. Whether my matches sometimes miss the rest of the action, but I think it, it's very difficult for a new goalkeeper to come in. Particularly very difficult for. I think it's more difficult for a goalkeeper to come in in that sort of situation and to hit the ground running than for somebody who's outfield. Um, you know, you've got to learn uh, the defence in front of you, how to communicate with them, how to gel with them. It's a very difficult situation. So I, I wouldn't. I, I do think that it was a huge loss, Peter Gone, but I wouldn't say that that reflects badly on on um, on Aaron Dillon who's come in. Like I think we we really. You need to appreciate the, the very difficult situation that he was in. Um, you've got defenders who've stayed, like Phil Douglas there, and but still, you have to learn the communication between goalkeeper and defender, and that just doesn't come overnight. You know, Peter Peter was there for a good while. He'd built up a very good working relationship with, with his defence, and to have somebody new come in uh, in a, a situation like that where you're very close to the start of the season very very difficult um but you know again to, to look on the bright side you can say look draw a line in the sand we've had the first series of matches and um, there's two more series of matches three more series of matches to go um you know this isn't this isn't over yet you can you can you can be optimistic if, if you want you can try to say look you know this can be put right and it's a perfect opportunity with graham coming in to, to show what he can do uh, the off-the-field stuff that went on last season, you know, it was well-documented. North Korea and all that. As a fan, how do you react to that? Do you try and ignore it? or? Yeah, personally, I try and ignore it. Uh, personally, I don't get involved too much in in seeing the, the negative side of it. Um, I suppose being a, a student of football the world over um, and seeing what goes on in, in clubs in England are, are closest to us. 
you know, people in charge of football clubs or people running football clubs, they're not... Sometimes these kind of things go on. There Things go on that fans mightn't be happy with. But at the end of the day, whoever owns the football club or whoever is running it, they're keeping their club going. And you've got to see that side of it as well. So personally, I try to, to block out all of that and just focus on supporting the players on the field. I know when there's stuff going on off the field, it can be upsetting for some of the fans. It can get to the players, but really... Players have to try and keep focused on on the matches. The fans need to kind of, you know, it shouldn't be an excuse for not going to the game because you don't like what the owner said. Or the players on the field still need their support. That that'd be my take on it. Obviously, you know, I was still disappointed to see the stuff going on, but you know, I think it's just particularly in Bray, where for so long we had particular ownership of the club, and it was very kind of one big happy family and then that's kind of changed gradually over a few years but you're just coming into line with what every other club kind of has you know change in ownership um, you know maybe that disconnect between owners and fans and players which is kind of the norm but in Bray we didn't have that for many years we had a kind of very much a everybody knew everybody but, but that changed and on the other, on the one hand, you know, there's that disconnect between owners and players and fans. But on the other, you've got to appreciate that the people who are in charge of the club now are keeping the club going. And if they hadn't come in, there wouldn't be a club. And I kind of like to, to see both sides of it. Uh, you wrote an article on very recently called Remembering the Dark Days, the 2010 season. And of course, from a Rawers perspective, that was a memorable one coming down to the final day at the Carlisle Grounds winning their first title in 16 years despite the best efforts of Gary Shaw yeah it was a it was a great match um, and uh, it was great to see Rovers win the title and I, I think ultimately that at the end of that season we had our own euphoric moment when we, we stayed up um, on penalties after the, the playoff match against Monaghan United um, so the season kind of ended well for us uh, but it had been a very long dark difficult season we we kind of started off the season by we thought we were going to be in the first division and then we, we got a reprieve um, so we were only resourced really for, for first division football you know fought hard all season difficult moments the, the 6-0 home loss to UCD really stands out as kind of a dark day but you know you don't lose belief that you can you can stay up you don't lose belief that things can change things can improve and I think 2010 for me stands out as, as one of the darkest but there's been lots of seasons of struggle but yet the club is still here um, there's still a club there for fans to support it's not you know we're not back in the days where we were in the 90s where we won the FEI Cup twice um, you know we've had some high fi- finishes in the league but you know we're in a different situation this season and we've got to you know try and stay keep, try and keep the fade basically uh, the 2010 title decider I mentioned I think that might still be the record crowd at the Carlisle Grounds you can correct me if I'm wrong but and Huge crowd travelled down to the far two last year, so probably another big travelling support for uh, Monday night. I think so, and it, it, it it's always a special occasion when when Rovers come because 
the crowd is big the atmosphere is fantastic it's you know it, it's really heartening for players to, to play in front of a crowd like that and you know part of what's been wrong with Bray is the low crowds and um, you know supporters have some supporters are staying away because of the off-field stuff that's difficult for the supporters who are there because you know you're looking around you see the the place isn't as full as it used to be it's disheartening for the the players because you know you don't want to play in front of half empty stadiums so a big game like that where you've got a big crowd it lifts everybody it lifts both sets of players it creates a good atmosphere um you know it'd be great to see this league full of st- matches like that where you know every week players are playing in front of, of big crowds because it, it just adds something to the occasion but I suppose as well Bray being so close to Dublin um, games against Rovers Bowes they almost feel like derby matches and big crowds always come out and it really makes those kind of occasions special certainly remember that match in 2010 the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic um, and you, you really enjoy that even if you end up being on, on the losing side it, it's it makes it an occasion. It makes it just feel that bit kind of more special. So hopefully we get to put crowd for, for the dark Rovers matches and it just gives the players a bit of a lift, just, you know, a bit more encouragement, um, you know, a bit more of an atmosphere can can make a difference. I suppose, what would you predict over the Friday and Monday? Would you expect a much closer game against Rovers than the one in February? I think, yeah, I think so. I think... Uh, you know, it is possible that we can get a draw out of it. Um, if we end up losing it narrowly, maybe, you know, even if you got one draw from the two matches, the two all matches, um, and, and lost the other one narrowly, you'd have a bit more confidence then. You'd have a lot more confidence going down to Waterford to, to try to get something. I suppose there's nothing more demoralising than losing heavily in front of your own supporters. Um, the, the Cork game was, was a heavy loss remember in 2010 that 6-0 loss to UCD very demoralising uh, but I don't think we're going to lose these games heavily I don't think I think we've potential there to, to get a draw out of them if uh, certainly out of one of them if you know if things come together for us um, fresh start we've Graham there now um, we've players we've enough players from last year who played so well in the in the first half of the season um, that you know, on their day, they're capable of, of getting a result against, even against, you know, the, the best teams in the league like Dundalk and Rovers. Right, so that was Brian and uh, quite upbeat, Prof. It's it's good to hear him so upbeat considering all that's going on at the club at the moment. And, uh, well, when you have a brave fan on, you're kind of expecting someone to be crying to himself in the corner. Yeah, but a true fan there, you know, really yeah. staying upbeat and, and wanting the club to, to kind of progress. So, yeah, they're looking to avoid nine consecutive League defeats for the first time ever. Wow. That'd be a record for them. Nine consecutive. So on a run of eight league defeats in a row. And mm. who they got? I think they have Pats on the week. No, they're home to Dundalk. The home te- to Dundalk. Oh, the only wow. team they've gotten a point off so far. Cracker. was on opening God. day. So we're looking for our first win in the Carlisle grounds in three years. Three years? And we're looking to avoid three straight league defeats out there for the first time ever. Yeah, I think we'll book that trend. I really do. And uh, this is ten games in. Do you remember how many goals Gary McCabe had at this stage last year? After 10 11 games? 11 or 12? 
He had 11. He had 11 goals. There was a lot of penalties though as well, but he was on mm. fire. I think half them were penalties. And they were very good against mm. us that day. The 4-2, the 4-2 loss, they were excellent that day. The Tomer madness. Yeah. He only has one this, this season so far. Yeah, one. So just a one point for Bray, and I was in Dundalk of all places to start the season. And uh, I was asking Carl how many points we had after our first 10 games in recent seasons. So he has a little rundown here. I love these stats. Yeah. I love comparing these things. So in uh, 2014 under Crawley, it was 20 points. Right. 2015 under Fenlon, 20 points again. Right. 2016, Fenlon, first half of the season, 18. Last year, obviously it was low with six defeats, only 12 points. Yeah. And this year it's 16. So 16, it's a it's a decent return. And we're not too far off the top and uh, a lot of football to be played. So we're, you know us, we're positive. And... Um, yeah, did you see the comparison of the four sixty games with Michael O'Neill and Bradzer? He, it's uh, it's not he's not that far off. I mean, I think a couple of goals more O'Neill scored. I think there was maybe sixteen points in the difference. It's he's not that far off. The difference and was the draws and defeats. Mainly. That's exactly. It was a lot yeah. more losses, yeah. a lot more losses, a lot more draws than O'Neill, a lot more losses than the Bradzer. But I mean, it's the he's he think he's the only the last Rovers manager to get the sixty games was O'Neill. Yeah, so that was uh, that was pretty cool. I don't know who put that up now. I don't know if it was a Rovers guy. Obviously, I'm, I'm it's a guy on Twitter, a game of two halves. Yeah. yeah, he's putting up some decent stuff. That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I was really impressed with that. Now, I love those comparisons, uh, old and new, comparing the, the boat. So uh, we'll move on to our League Cup tie. I have the Longford that's been switched to Tuesday, April twenty fourth, and the quarter final was made too. And we're away to Cove. I'm looking forward to this one. Although probably going to be midweek, prof. Am I right? Yeah, so either Monday the 7th or Tuesday the 8th of May, if we get past Longford, that's unfortunate, that's on a yeah. weeknight, because it'll be a great trip. Saturday would have been ideal for that. We haven't played Cove in 10 years. 10 years? Yeah, not including the B team. Yeah, not including the B team, so... But, uh, yeah, it would have been great if it was a weekend or a bank holiday Monday, but no one there look, it'll be the Tuesday, so... Back to the scene of the draw that got us up out of the mm. fourth division, and that infamous speech from Pat Scully, <laughs> and a certain who screaming at him. <laughs> that was your mick <laughs> and speaking of Langford Gary makes an appearance on the Between the Strikes podcast this week yeah I'll be talking yeah. to the lads or in an hour. has he accidentally called it when he takes me behind the sheds behind the sheds yeah <laughs> it just sounds so wrong doesn't it what so, a glorious autocorrect that was because if there was ever a documentary made about our show we have a title now that's exactly what it would be called yeah behind the sheds behind the sheds yeah I've um, yeah. yeah so I'll be chatting shite on that tonight with the, with the lads so fair play them for having me on I'll be talking about the derby and our season in general so check it out if you want to hear me talk more muck as usual and uh, we're going to talk about the SRFC Ultras Forum which is a it's still a go-to place for a lot of overseas hoops and a lot of moaners and uh, it's been down for around six weeks now Alex Irwin I think he's the moderator on that he said he'll be back online when he gets a chance to fix it and hopefully towards the end of the week but to be honest the lack of users seem it seems like it's a waste of money so uh, I'm sure people won't mind put their hand in their pocket to keep it going. A couple of people got in touch with us and said that that the, if funding was an issue, they would be on the head belt. Eamon, aka Tahoop, big fan of the show, using touch. Sean O'Connor offered. Isn't he home soon? I think so. Yeah. Sean O'Connor offered to moderate us, so I wouldn't throw it on the scrap heap just yet. No, definitely not. We'll try and keep it going. And Carl, to my horror, I was watching the women's match on Tuesday, and the pitch, dear God, the pitch. I text you straight away and I said, don't. Turn on the match. <laughs> the pitch will make you cry. It looked awful. It was getting chopped up. And uh, I watched a bit of the women's game as well. They 
Uh, do you know what it reminded me of Rovers? Katie McCabe gave the ball away for one of the goals, very league race esque in mm. Waterford. But oh, mean, that penalty decision was a shocker. Oh, it was outside the box. It was fair enough as a free, but it was no way a penalty. Jeez, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Did you see the tour goal that was disallowed? It was no. a great header, but your one had a full head of makeup on. She'd eyeliner, she'd mascara, lipstick. I've never seen a woman's footballer have a full head of makeup on. It was really strange. 4,000 as that game. New record for a women's was international. Was there 4,000 yeah. Didn't seem like it. Fair play to everyone who travelled. Lash and rain too. Yeah, it was fantastic at- attendance. Um, really was. And um, yeah, so hopefully the, the, the lads can, can conjure up a bit of magic and have the pitch looking well. Because we really want that pitch to be to be smooth and snooker table-esque. Because if not, the soup balls down to the ground. Because mm. they, they brought the pitch in and they made it, they made it narrow. For the, for the ladies so they, they were warming up what is going to be our wing now so they're trampling along where the wing is going to be it's going to be like a, a, a cow patch now so you're making me very worried here right? I'm telling you we're going to have to be careful and um, yeah so a full house is expected on Friday in the 1899 bar make sure you're there early because the doors are from 6 and it will close when the capacity is reached so as usual it's like you said open at 6 we have DJ Dan Fulham and Jamie Heaton on the decks Blasting out some tunes with Karen Connolly assisting. Perhaps. Karen Connolly will be assisting the tunes as well. Yeah. We've got she- Chef Ray Fieri. If uh, did you ever see Diners Drive-ins and was it Diners Drive-ins and dives? So we've got Ray Chef Ray Fieri. He's dishing out the chicken curry and some milk water and pies. We got cottage and shepherd's pies and we've got big screens and uh, no, I'm sorry, do you know what? Gigantic screens showing some sort of football. I think Aston Villa and Leeds are on, but sure we'll be watching our own match. We'll be watching that, but the big screens are there. Something will be shown. Malston tree bottles for a tenner as usual. The refreshing and crisp Priory IPA brewed in a bathtub out Tommy Kelly's back garden in Jobstown. Uh, programs available in the 1899. As always, please support this wonderful piece of matchday entertainment. Mm. Fantastic read with articles by my co-host, the prof, as usual. And uh, don't forget, you can enter the bar through the car park lobby after the game that is after the game so you can enter through the car park lobby after the game and you can listen to what the gaffer or the coaches have to say so Prof what are you writing about this week in the programme give them a sneak peek uh, it's about our landmark league goals against Bowes so first one was by Bob Fulham in 1922 Bob Fulham which is a distant relative I think maybe not too distant of Dan Fulham our DJ did he verify that or I'm is... nearly sure it is yeah I think he was talking about it before if not he can whatsapp me and and hang me later. <laughs> the hundredth was by Paddy Cowd in 1946. Two hundredth was by Jackie Mooney, who sadly passed away a few months ago. Yeah. 1962. Three hundredth was by Peter Eccles in 1990. And who scored the four hundredth? The four hundred balls goal. Brandon Miele. No, it was Davy Mack last year. Davy Mack, the header. We only spoke about it last the, year. The one that no. we were talking about. Yeah. One that sent him into a fit of rage. Sent him into a fit of rage and upset his missus. Yeah, so Rovers ran a poll on social media saying that the club is considering introducing a digital version of Hoops Scene. Is this something that would be of interest to subscribe to, especially to Overseas Hoops? 73% said yes. So basically what people are saying is... Shut up and take my money! Yeah, so definitely agree with that. If it's, if it's going to be digital for all our Overseas Hoops, definitely. Fantastic addition. Once the print stays as well, because we have to keep our hard copies available as well. So, and right. the balls allocation was sold out by Monday. So it is. It's a packed house. So make sure you get out to the game, lads. It's going to be a cracker. Balls at home. What else would you be doing on the Friday? Six o'clock. Doors open. Pints, pints, lovely pints, and uh, we will be 
hopefully singing the praises of the team after the game and we get the three points but uh, we're going to move on we shout out to Paul Mladenovic for his Dublin Derby artwork Darren Carr doing a cartwheel in front of the spire I love this stuff and <laughs> we're just looking at the ultra stickers now I gave the prop a few stickers we have some good ones they have a couple of cool buildings on their stickers and mm. Dublin Rovers flags adorned on it so uh, the spire was actually the tiebreaker question in the quiz between the second and third base team it was how high is the spire in metres and it goes oh jeez I'll tell you what I'll give it a go in metres alright I'm going to go with a what football pitch give it 250 it's 119 metres high a hun- it, it seems a lot smaller than I think 119 metres that's all but um, fucking eyesore anyway apparently Stephen McPhail he wasn't in the top three but he almost nailed it he was in Sean O'Connor's team he almost nailed the two of the number no way not to the count of anything because he yeah. wasn't involved but actually I had a flashback when that question came up uh, when that spire when it was being proposed the planning for it okay I was in school at the time and I remember my geography teacher hated this so much yeah just hated the the spire just thought it was so stupid and his main argument was that people would throw tyres on it <laughs> you gotta throw a tyre <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm thinking back now I'm like what were the original plans for the spire if he thought someone could fling a tyre on it? You don't have some arm, wouldn't you? No. And for those who are interested, we also have some brand new merch. There's actually a, a rake load of new merch. We've got Hooperman scarf, Rovers, Shamrock Rovers number one scarf. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for the legendary scarf series. These these are crackers. They've got uh, Twig of Scotland and we've got the foreigner old Pat Bourne. Oh, I saw those. They look really They look the biz. The yeah. Twig one is amazing. I really can't wait to I like get the Scottish on flag on it. Certain flower of Scotland and a mustachioed maestro are going to be adorned on these flags. We've got baseball caps for kids as well. So that's something new. These are beauts. Uh, new bobble hats. Uh, weekend and weekday fancy socks. You're spoiled for choice there. I'm going to get some of those. And uh, I think next up we'll have G-strings for the ladies. <laughs> yeah, I'm only joking. But listen, that's it's an option. I mean, I've la- and lads, of course. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of men out there who uh, who love a good tong. Um, yeah, so loads and loads of brand new merch in the shop available on Friday. So get down, spend a few quid. I'll be down there myself. I'll be getting a I'll be getting a bobble hat and a couple of pairs of socks. I reckon. So we have a uh, Pogues Whiskey McLean is selling a set of tree badges. SRFC legend Twig and Bourne and the Heritage Trust. I have to get I have to get the Heritage Trust one off them. It's a it's a cracker. And uh, they're on sale for ten euro, so you can see him or James Cook before the game Friday night in the eighteen ninety nine bar or at any game. So you know the two lads, two baldies, and uh, a big shout out to James Cook as well because he completed the Rotterdam marathon in just over four hours. So big, big uh, congratulations to him because it's a serious achievement. Props, props, props to James, and uh, he was over there enjoying a few crafty beers after the, the marathon. So congratulations to him. I mean, George Kelly with a great quote. He said, Just seen a lad in the gym wearing a Liverpool jersey and a pair of Chelsea tracksuit bottoms. Seriously, how confused can one be? Had to ask him why. And he said, Ah, sure, I like them both. And I asked him how often he goes to watch them, and he says he never has. We're looking, he's, um, while he's looking directly at my Rovers crest, I tell him he seriously needs to get a grip of himself and go support a local home team. Happy to say that he'll be in Tallaght for the game against Bowles, and if that game doesn't convert him, nothing will. So definitely bring him into the bar, Georgie, and introduce him. And we'll, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll interview him and see how he gets on. Official Barstool are turned Rovers fan, so we'll uh, see what he thinks of the experience. His attire there reminds me of the guy with the Celtic Liverpool shirt. That Johnny Blue knows. Shirt and hat combo de Viva <laughs> years ago. Truly one of the most iconic photographs ever taken in Irish sport. Of the 20th century. 
Crazy. So the game's on Air Sport, and hopefully it won't affect the attendance. Um, we've lost all of our three televised games so far, so hopefully we mm-hmm. can book that trend. So it's Flag Day, everybody. And we have an official winner of Flag Day, and it was a depiction of 300, Jared Butler in his 300 gear. Green and white hoops in the background, and um, it says, this is Talent and we are over. So it's pretty cool. Personally, I thought my one should have won with a bag of cans <laughs> on the front saying TFTS. <laughs> it's not very children friendly, though, is it? No, this is Tala and we are over. So, big shout out to Thomas Cizlak, who has won the flag day. Oh, Flagman Ireland, our wonderful sponsor, who gives us all our frags. And um, yeah, so that's that. But get your flags out, make sure you're hanging them. And me and Prof will be behind the goals and wherever people hang flags for quick chats with everybody who's hanging their flags. How they uh, came about, the origins, and where you're from, stuff like that. Won't take too long. We won't annoy you yeah. too much. So if you see us and you, you just hung up your flag, don't run away. Don't run, please. Because if you do run, I will look for you. I will find you. Yeah, so we will uh, be interviewing all you guys. And uh, we love our flags. We love everybody who brings them. Adds great colour to those. And make sure you get out and, and hang them. And uh, so those interviews, they'll be pitched so so we'll uh, we'll have to bring a brolly in our our, our overalls, and uh, we'll we'll have to look kind of cool and stay away from the sprinkler systems, and uh, it'd be other than a usual weird rush room beside the Glenmalore suite. And Julian Kenny on Twitter asked us, he said, "Why was I interviewed in an intimidating unlit stairwell? <laughs> creepy stairwell." Shout out to the creepy stairwell. And uh, Jared Wheatley replied, "You're from Galway. <laughs> that was the reason." Crammed into a creepy stairwell. So uh, we if it's good enough for Mick Leach, it's good enough for you, Julian. Yeah, that's it. Julian's a great guy. Galway fan. Galway addict sells the programmes in the in the stadium. We know who won't be doing any interviews. It's Bowes, because they are doing no media ahead of Friday's game and Keith Long has barred his players from talking to them. So uh, that's, that's a shame, because I want to know their thoughts on Theresa May not being invited to the Royal Wedding. I know, yeah. It's strange. I mean, they're, it's it's a vital cog in the machine that is Bowes, you know. They... Oh, welcome these guys with open arms. So it's 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 on our it's on our minds, you know. So the rally and cry this week is to get yourselves down to Tala Stadium and watch this game because it's a massive one. We need to get behind the team after a loss to Dundalk, and uh, the Orcs will be travelling down from Mordor in their droves and smelling up the place. And they've sold out their location, so we need to show them Tala's a fortress. One goal conceded in Tala. Let's make it no more. Although I did predict. We will concede, but I like to be wrong half the time. So this is the rally and cry. We have to beat them. We need the fans to show out in force for this one. The Ultras have a great display plan. So listen, we'll see it in Tallis Stadium. See it in the 1899 for pints. And hopefully, like we said, do not run away when we go to interview you for Flag Day. And uh, keep on hooping. See ya. Stop!